I think we're good. We're on. I'm going to do the here. I'm going to do the countdown like you do on radio where it's five, four, three. Hi, everybody. Hi, everyone. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Sarah. And this is Dead Dead Time Time Stories. Episode 82. 82. Ooh, shit. Well, slap me around and call me Nana's Titty Bop. (laughs) Okay, come here. Nana's Titty Bops. Okay. I mean, I asked for it, literally. You you did. You did. That's okay. That's fine. That works. How you doing, Sarah? Uh, I'm good. Did you want to give a synopsis of what the show is? (laughs) <laughs> since we're trying to do that sure so if a you're... year and some change ago we <laughs> fell through a dimensional portal welcome back if you're a regular listener if you're a new listener uh the two of us i'm stephanie she's sarah we get together about once a week it is about once a week sometimes yeah, that's it's what... every two weeks but we the try, show comes out every week we let's be honest one so far fingers crossed i know but we might take a we'll day s- off we'll for the holiday just bear with us <laughs> bear um, on say if you're new to the show, the two of us get together once a week and we talk about ghost stories, supernatural, paranormal, true crime, and just generally spooky, eerie shit. And sometimes it's, uh, I mean, it's always It's always time. irreverent. Um, oh, yeah. We like to make jokes. And sometimes people uh, don't like it. But you know what? But this then is... they go back and they edit their rating. They change their review. And we give them credit for changing their review. And um, we say... Thank you. And also peer pressure works. And we talk about what we want because it's, it's our, our podcast, and not yours. yours. Hmm. That we steal from other. We steal all our material st- from other podcasts. <laughs> all of it. Except for y'all ready to talk about some ghosts. That is. That's us. Us. Misquoting Leslie Jordan. Uh, Leslie Jordan on American Horror Story. And if you Grown started up. from the beginning, you would, you would understand, understand that. You would get that reference. So start from the first episode. So if you stop haven't this already. episode right now and go back to the beginning. So Sarah and I today went to the Breakfast Club Boylesque show. Oh my God, it was fantastic. At the Thursday Soul here in Philadelphia. So it was um, for male burlesque performers. And it was a good time. It was awesome. We had a, we had a wonderful time. Before it that, we had so brunch good. at Melrose. Diner. Diner. Uh, and we were with our good friends, Tina, and friend of the show, Colleen. Colleen. Come Tina's been on the show, but spot. she's not a friend of the she show. She doesn't listen. She's just somebody we know who's she been even here. Admitted, <laughs> I was like, she even admitted today that she does not listen to we the show. We already knew she didn't listen. I know, but then she said it to our face. But Colleen but that's listens? what I asked for. You did. You did ask people to, I did to say tell it you to my face. To your face. And, and Tina she did. She did. She told you she doesn't listen. She did. And then she went and got me a beer from the crowded bar. So we're even. <laughs> but, um, but Colleen, um, Colleen was there. Colleen great. does listen. And hi, Colleen. Hi, we saw Colleen. you earlier, and she came with us, and it was it was a really good time. We had a lot of fun. It was fantastic. So yeah, is this the morning. part where I tell my story? Yeah, go for it. I was waiting. <laughs> so I told this story to Stephanie earlier, but then I was like, I really think I should tell this story on the podcast. Because and I was like, Yeah, you should. I, I really should. So uh, as you guys all know, I've been leaning into the dating scene real hard. This doesn't totally go along with that, but she's real lonely. It, oh, girl. <laughs> Who's going to give me that John Wayne Gacy mannequin? That's all I'm saying. <laughs> they already closed down. So what'd they do with it? I don't know. Did they auction things off? Maybe my soulmate has it and I just That's have to find know. the mannequin and it will lead me to the how man. How will I know? How will I know? The mannequin. Have the John Wayne Gacy mannequin. The That's mannequin how will lead me to the man of my uh, dreams. Oh, I was hoping you were going to say to the man I can marry. Oh, damn it. That's <laughs> way better. That's so 
Uh, <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, anyways, I <laughs> there's this guy that I have a crush on um, who's like a regular at Earth and actually we have a lot of mutual friends in common. Earth is a bar she goes to, by oh, the way. Oh, yes, not the world. I mean, You're we're right. all irregular at Earth. At Earth. Sometimes we don't want to be, but we're stuck here. I mean, I'm irregular, but I'm still at Earth. At Earth. Dot com. I met this guy at the bar, and the other night we were hanging out after the bar closed, and he's like, do you want to smoke some weed? And of course I'm like, yeah, because who's going to turn down free weed? So we go to his car to go smoke some weed and we get in the car and he's like oh where's a oh, hold on I forgot where I put it and so of course I am like oh glove compartment to find it. I'm going to help find the glove compartment backtrack a second earlier in the night we had all been joking at the bar as you do about having dead parents which I have a dead parent Sarah has I have a dead, dead parent, parent. Teresa, Teresa has, a dead parent, has a dead everyone. parent. Everyone. So we it's the cool all the cool kids are doing it. <laughs> <laughs> all the cool kids lose their parents. I have a dead parent. Um so earlier at the bar it had come out like he has a dead dad, my other friend has a dead dad, and I have a dead dad. So we were just like, Oh, dead dads. So now we're going to his car, we're gonna smoke some weed. I open the glove compartment and I see like a Ziploc baggie with some stuff in it so i'm like oh cool yeah here's the weed and i pull it out and i was like is this it and he looks at me and he goes oh no that's my dad (laughs) (laughs) i was like oh okay i think i handed it back to him it really was i handed it to him and it really was cremains it was yes 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 it was it It was but i just like i saw a ziploc bag with like I love that so much. And I'm holding it and just as like point blank as it can be. I was like, oh, is this it? That's my dad. (laughs) I think I laughed and I handed it to him. I didn't put it back in the glove box. Oh, you're going to want these. You might need them later. I think my other my other question was, why is he in there? Right. And that was what I said to you when you told me the story. I was like, why did he have them in the glove box? Apparently he had just gotten like a tattoo with the cremains in the tattoo. So but still, but still, that's my dad. That's my dad. So that, I'm going to marry that man. I was going to say, uh, <laughs> I think you should have made a, jo- a joke, too, that like, wow, I just met you. It's a little soon for you to be meeting my parents. Oh, damn it. <laughs> I was too many drinks into the night. I wasn't that clever anymore. I was just making poop jokes. She was just going out in the car to smoke that going weed. Going out in the car to smoke that weed. And that and dad. then I met his dad. <laughs> I didn't see a resemblance. <laughs> That was a good one. Thank you. That was good. That was good. Um, so that's been Sarah's week. Um, I'm still in Songbird at this point. So by the time this episode comes out, of course, this coming week will already be done. But there are only two weeks left. I've made it this far. So I feel really good because when I got cast, I was like, I'll make it at least halfway. And the first couple of nights, like, I really, I was like, what am I doing here? Like, some of these people are so good. So at this point, like, everybody left in the competition is amazing. Um, But coming up is the semifinals, which will have just passed after this goes on. But the next week, which is still available for you to come to, is the finale. I'm hoping (laughs) to still be in it. Um, But if, you know, that if that is the case and you live in Philly or pretty close, like, 
I would really, 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 really appreciate you coming out to see it. Uh, it would be really fantastic. And of course, the more people you have there, the better for your score, which is a thing. But it is Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. at Latage here in Philadelphia. That's on the corner of 6th and Bainbridge. If you don't know where Bainbridge is, it's a block over from South Street. So it's right there. Uh, and it is a fun show. Tickets are 12 bucks, $15, I think, for VIP tickets. And I would love for you to come out and see me have a really awesome time. But there are only, (laughs) at this point that I am talking, two weeks left. But at the time that you hear this, it will only be one week left because this comes out on Thursdays and uh, Songbird is on Wednesdays. Yay! Yay! You do have one more chance this weekend to see Mary Angela's Christmas show. Um, from the time that you're listening to this, is th- there's this weekend you can still go see Mary Angela's Christmas show. Um, it's called Who's Christmas, as in Cindy Lou Who of The Grinch. It's cute. And um, no one has asked, so I'm going to tell you, yes, it rhymes. Oh. <laughs> so go see Kate Bianco in the Mary Angela directed Who's Christmas um, it's not a question. It's whose Christmas. Oh, as okay. In it, I was like, as is in it, it belongs to Cindy Whose Christmas is it? Um, it's not who, like, who's, who's Christmas? I liked it. Um, it's who, as in Cindy Lou Who. So yeah, you cute. Check it out. I'm seeing it tonight. You saw it last night. I did. All the cool kids are doing it. They are. They're losing their and parents. If you see and I've it, seen Mary and They show. are. They're losing their parents, and they're going to Allen's Lane. That's what we all do. I lost my parents. That's what we all do. Um, oh, no. <laughs> Me, you, Aunt Teresa, and Mary Angela. <laughs> we all work out of Allen's Lane together. Oh, shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> and if you go see a show at Allen's Lane, my favorite part is that it is like a picnic-style BYOB and dinner situation. Mm-hmm. So you can bring drinks and you can bring food, and I always do. I make myself a lovely dinner. Last night I made myself some chicken fajitas, and I brought my friend Danielle, who had sushi, and we brought a big old bottle of wine. Got him. Uh, and then we realized we didn't have a bottle opener. But she also brought uh, one of those pre-made rum punch packets. Oh, my god! <laughs> from, from the liquor store. And I was like, fuck it, you don't have a bottle opener? Good thing you brought that rum punch. So we drank rum punch. Me out of a sesame place cup. Proud uh, of you. <laughs> and she had a Hershey's cup. And we were drinking and watching the show and eating dinner. And it was a good time. See, theater is fun. Go see it. Yeah, do it. Done. Support uh, local performing artists. And I mean, other artists too. But like, we're performing artists. So that's what we want you to, Please. to do. And support us and our Patreon. We'll talk about that at the end of the show. Oh, yes. <laughs> Sarah? <laughs> Stephanie? Y'all, y'all ready, ready to, to talk, talk about some ghosts? ghosts? So you seem really excited. Does that mean that you want to talk first or I second? I can go first. I don't Mine's mind like way. medium length. So is mine. Okay. Yeah, I am. So I'm sort of doing what you did with like Dirty John and Dr. Death. So this is based off a podcast. Okay. Oh, no. No, go ahead. Do you think we're going to be doing the same thing? I don't think so. Because mine they talked about on a podcast, but it wasn't a whole podcast. Okay, good. Then it's not the same thing thing that I'm talking about. Then it's definitely not the same thing. Okay, so this is all a podcast. So, Stephanie, have you heard of this podcast that's by Dateline NBC, and it's called The Thing About Pam? I am not familiar. Oh, girl. (laughs) Girl, Let me tell you. Here's the thing about Pam, though. The Thing About Pam. Pam. She's okay. a murderer. So much more, I assume. Girl, don't jump the gun too soon. Or Hang the on knife. one second while I open this packet yeah. of Oreos. Open the packet of Oreos. Where did I leave off? The thing about Pam is she's a big old bitch. 
So what's the thing about Pam? The thing about Pam, let me tell you. So this is a podcast. It's on Spotify, iTunes. It's by Dateline NBC. I'm going to give you just sort of a rough and dirty version of this, but I highly recommend listening to the podcast. It's six episodes. They're like 30 to 40 minute episodes. So it's really easy to listen to. I listened to all of it the other day while I was at work, like just plowed through it. So Here's the thing about Pam. I'm going to do my best to unpack this and make it as clear as possible um, in one 20-minute session when, in reality, they did a whole season. They did three episodes of Dateline NBC on this case and, and then, then had so much information they had to make a podcast. Love it. Yep. So the thing about Pam. Oh, my God. What is the thing about Pam? Well, first, before we get into Pam, we have to talk about a woman named Betsy Faria. So December 27th, 2011, Russ Faria comes home after being out with his friends at a poker night, and then he went and got Arby's, and then he came home, he dropped off the dog food in the house, and then he sees his wife, Betsy, on the couch. Two major gashes on each wrist slashed across the throat with the knife still sticking out of her neck. He Pam, calls 911. Hold on. Don't jump Sorry. to Pam just Sorry. yet. I know. It's called the thing about Pam. But we got to talk about Betsy and Russ first. So Russ calls 911. Obviously very upset. Now, we've talked a lot about The Stairway and that documentary and about how that 911 call, people scrutinize 911 calls. And nine times out of 10, when a spouse dies, the, the first. The other spouse did it's, it. Yeah. It's oh, the yeah. other spouse. So Russ calls 911. He's very, very upset. He says, my wife is here. I She committed suicide. My wife committed suicide. Why would you think she slashed her own throat? Hold on. I, that's So my wife committed suicide. She's here. He's very upset. The next day, he's arrested and charged for her murder. Of course. The reason being... They when he like, called 911, they were like, why would you think that this is a suicide she had been stabbed over 55 times. My God. Why would you look at that body and think that it was a suicide? Was he only looking at the wrists? Is that what he claimed? Yes. He was like, honestly, I just noticed the wrists. He was like, I saw her wrists. I saw her neck. I called the cops. Now, Betsy Faria had attempted suicide in, in the, the past. past. Okay. So that had happened before. Police bring him in. Police question him. Over and over, and then they bring up the fact that she'd been stabbed 55 times, and they didn't believe him. Now, an overlying theme on this, and the podcast gets into it in more detail than I'm going to get into it, but a lot of it also is about how the police handled this investigation into this murder, because there's a lot of fucked up shit. They basically go to Russ, and they're like, this is what we think happened. This is what happened. Why won't you admit that this happened? That's what they do. Now, Russ, the entire time, held fast to his story. Yeah, his story never sense. wavered. He was at work. The last time he talked to Betsy, Betsy was going, was at her mother's house and was getting a ride home from a friend. And Russ was going to play poker with his friends. And then he was going to be home around 9, 930. Mm-hmm. And that was their last conversation. And I lost where I was for a second. 
the cops were like, the, why don't yeah. you just admit you did this? He was like, I oh, yeah. Told so her he, go yeah, he held fast to his story. That's what happened. They had, he was like, that's my story. And, and I'm, I'm sticking to it. it. And he did. And they had surveillance from, he like stopped at an Arby's to get some food. They had the receipts. They had all the timestamps. He said, I got home about 930, 940. The cop, the call to 911 came in at 940. So all of that held fast and he never wavered from that. Mm-hmm. Now, Betsy had said that she was getting a ride home from a friend. That friend was Pamela Hupp. Pam. The titular Pam. The Pam. Now we get into the Pam. So Pam apparently took Betsy home, dropped her off, and left around 7.30. So she said. Yeah. Well, she said a lot of things. Because unlike Russ, her story changed Changed. all the time. Well, boom. That's a red herring right there. Well, the police didn't see any of that, or they chose not to. Sure, because they were like, it's definitely the husband. So Pam says... I dropped Betsy off at this time, and I left. Well, the police say, well, Russ mentioned that when Betsy called him and they spoke, that Betsy had something that she wanted to tell him, like a a piece of news, an important piece of news. And Pam was like, oh, yeah, I know what that is. It was that she was going to suggest that they rent out their house and live with family. But Betsy was really scared to talk to him about it. Frankly, Betsy was always scared to go home. Oh, get out, Pam. Because Russ was abusive. And Russ would joke about killing Betsy and about how much life insurance he had on Betsy and how much money he would get. And that Russ would play a game with Betsy where he would put a pillow over her face. Oh, my God. And pretend that that's what it's going to be like when you die. That's what Pam said. Mm -hmm. Betsy's family, her mother, her sister, they both were like, if that happened, Betsy never said any of that. To Betsy never said that to us. In the family, but Betsy and Pam were really close friends. Sure, they were best friends, according to Pam. Well, also kind of according to Betsy. So Russ is being tried. He's in prison. He's being tried for the death. The life insurance policy has been signed over to Pam. The fuck. Betsy signed over her entire $150,000 life insurance policy to Pamela Hupp. Pam says it's on the basis that Betsy wants the money to go to her daughters, who are from a previous marriage. So she wanted Pam to have it so Pam could put it into a trust and make sure that it went to her daughters and not not to Russ. Right? Now, they both worked at... Allstate or another, they worked at an insurance company. So they knew about insurance. So they, you know, they knew all this information. So Pam gets the life insurance money. And while the trial's going on, she puts it into a trust, supposedly for the daughters. Right? The trial happens. And there's a lot of evidence that the defense is not able to present because it's implicating Pamela Hupp. And not the accused. Russ is found guilty. Oh my God. And he's sentenced to life in prison. Mm -hmm. The day after Russ is found guilty, Pam closes out those trusts and takes the money. Yes, she does. And the daughters never see it. They never see a drop of it. 
So then the daughters bring a lawsuit against Pam. They want their money. And Pam is like, in the deposition, they're like, do you remember saying that Betsy wanted you to give that money straight to the daughters? She was like, no. And she's like, no, I don't recall. I don't recall. And all of this is on tape. All of it's been recorded. In the podcast, they're, they're playing the audio. I don't recall. I don't recall. And she's confident. Russ is behind bars. Him and his lawyer are working towards getting an appeal, which is very hard to come by. Mm -hmm. But they're granted one. And he goes on and he gets to have another trial. And they do a trial by a judge, not a jury. So the first time around it was with a jury. This time around it was with a judge. It's the same prosecutor, which again, there's more to these layers about like the prosecutor and things like that and how they handle the case. It's the same prosecutor. The first time around, too, the prosecutor in their final monologue painted this picture that not only did Russ kill Betsy, but his friends that he was with that night, they were in on it. And it was the final role play for Russ. (laughs) Yeah, but she had no evidence to back this up and had not worked towards a storyline that would end in what she's telling, but that's what she pulls out. And then she gets convicted. So now he's back for his appeal. So they go back and they question Pamela Hupp a little bit more. Well, at this point, Pam tells us some very interesting information. And that is that her and Betsy had had a romantic relationship. What? Now, it wasn't that they were lesbians because they both loved men. But Pam took the role of a husband for Betsy. And and Pam loved Betsy, but was not in love with Betsy. But Betsy was in love with Pam. Sure. And this is information that she left out the first time around. Oh, of course. But now she's going to bring this up. So they've had a sexual romantic relationship. not a sexual relationship. She implied it. But then also when she was questioned, she was like, well, what classifies sexual to you? By, like, the lawyer. Did you rub your pussies together? Yeah, right? (laughs) This fucking woman. that's what we lesbians do. That's it. That's all that you do. (laughs) Nothing else. Yeah. Just that. So, Betsy and Pam apparently have had a romantic relationship. Long story short on this part, thankfully enough, Russ is exonerated after this appeal. Mm -hmm. The judge listens and the judge is like, there's no way. You're free to go. Pamela Hupp moves a few counties down. Russ is trying to pick up the pieces from his life. Mm -hmm. But Russ's lawyer and a few other police officers are still looking into the murder of Betsy Faria because now the case isn't closed because Russ has been exonerated. Mm -hmm. The killer's still out there. And who's our number one suspect? Better be Pam. The last person to see Betsy alive. The person who got her life insurance policy, but then was withholding it from the children that Betsy apparently said she wanted to leave it behind for. They were looking into Pam. I think it's two or three years after Russ is exonerated. Pamela Hupp shoots and kills a man in her own home. She calls 911 saying that there's someone trying to break into her house. Someone trying to attack her. And while she's on the phone with the 911 operator, 
she shoots a man named Lewis. I can't pronounce his last name. Look it up. But Lewis five times and kills him all while she's on the phone with the operator. So it's all recorded. She pled, of course, that it was defense, self-defense. But they started doing some more research. Pamela Hupp had been driving around low-income neighborhoods for the past week. They realized after talking to Lewis's mother that Lewis had been in a car accident three or four years earlier that had rendered him mentally incapable of doing what Pamela Hupp accused him of doing. He was mentally special and physically unable as well. Pamela Hupp said that he spoke to her while she was sitting in her car in the driveway of her home, and he told her that he needed to get Russ's money, and he was going to take her, and she was going to the bank, and she was going to get him Russ's money, the money that Russ deserved. So she got out of her car and ran into her house, But the man followed her. Lewis apparently followed her and was trying to attack her and was trying to kill her. And he had a knife. So she grabbed her gun after calling 911 and shot him. Because she brought the gun to the knife fight. Yeah. Not a, what was it, a broomstick? Not a broomstick. Not a broomstick. But a gun. Well, she still loses, though. Turns out Pamela Hupp had been driving through low income neighborhoods and she had been trying to lure someone into this type of a position. She'd been trying to find someone that she could kill and implicate it as though it was Russ Faria sending someone to kidnap her so that she would then draw the attention away from herself and onto Russ. Sure. Yeah. That all of that doesn't totally make sense to me. Like, that's the mind of a crazy person. Right. But they know they know that she was doing that because they tracked her cell phone beacon. And then there was another woman that she almost got who then caught on to the ruse and then called 911 and said, this woman did this. Someone is trying to get people to rob her. (laughs) She showed up and she, Pam, showed up to this woman's house and said, I think she said, she initially said, do you babysit? And then she said, so I work with Dateline NBC. I'm a reporter named Kathy. We're trying to find people to do 911 phone call reenactments. We've got a trailer rented out here in the neighborhood. If you come with me, we'll pay you $1,000 to record this 911 reenactment. Fuck. Now, the funny part about that story is this whole story about the Betsy Faria case, Pamela Hupp, the producer on this story, his name was Kathy. And Kathy had been in contact with Pam. So Pam thinks she can go out and pose as being Kathy and lure someone in to then kill and take the heat off herself for Russ Faria. What a weird plan. She obviously is arrested. Mm-hmm. She pleads not guilty, of course. Of course. The other thing the police officers find, there's been a spare piece of carpet laid over a rug right in the area where Lewis's body fell to protect the rug from blood. Just strategically, it was placed there. Just coincidence. Just happened to be there, right. Just happened to be there. So they arrest Betsy and charge her with the murder of Lewis. The day that they arrest her, they have her in the interrogation room, and they leave. And she's left, of course, with nothing on the table or anything other than a piece of paper and a ballpoint pen. She takes the ballpoint pen and she tucks it into the waistband of her pants. 
She then asks the guard if she can use the restroom. She's very calm throughout all of this after being arrested. She goes into the restroom and she proceeds to stab her wrists and her neck with the ballpoint pen until the prison guard had to go realize what was happening and went in and stopped her. She stood on trial and she took an Alford. Oh, hold on. Let me make sure I say this one right. An Alford plea. An Alford plea. You know it? Yep. Yes. So she took an Alford plea, which means I'm not pleading guilty, but I'm not. It's like I'll I'm, accept, I'm not saying that I I'll did accept it. the consequences, yes. but I didn't actually do I'm it. I'm not saying because I did it. the whole reason I know about that is because that's exactly what Michael Peterson did. Yes, in the Great. staircase. So that's what Pam did. She took an Alfred plea, and she's now in prison for life for the death of Lewis. Where she's like, you're basically like, I just don't. I don't want to take this to trial. Like, I don't want to make a big scene. I didn't do it. But I would rather accept the consequences than like go through a, a trial. And that's what she told her husband is she was like, I don't want the family to deal with a whole trial. Because if you take a plea, your sentence is going to be much lighter than if you go through trial and are found guilty. Well, she's still in prison for life. So. Right. <laughs> um, there's a few Rather other. Rather than a, a death sentence. Yes. So, But she was put in prison for the death and the murder of Lewis. Not for Betsy. The murder of Betsy is, or the Betsy's case is still open. Mm. It's currently being investigated. She was sentenced in June of 2019. So oh, June of so this, this year. This is fresh. all very recent. Yes. Um, again, like listen to the podcast. It'll give you all the dates, all the details. This is just a big overview summary. There's also a point in there where it talks about the fact that the month, not month, but like the week before Betsy's trial happened for her murder. Pam's mom died and Pam and her siblings got a very nice payout from the insurance. And who was the last person to see that woman oh my alive? God. It was Pam. Pam. So they're also looking into Pam for the death of her mother, and how which did has her been mom die. Um, she fell from the balcony of her nursing home. Oh, sure. Of course. But it was appa- an owl attack. Yeah. Apparently an owl who can bend aluminum frame, and break it that they said only a force of like a moving car could do. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So she somehow fell. And when Pam took her mom upstairs, she went downstairs to the caregivers and was like, she won't be down for dinner and she probably won't be down for breakfast. So she wasn't found until 2.30 the next day. Oh, my God. What? So she is still in prison. She did not kill herself. Obviously, she was not successful. It's very... I think it's very telling that she stabbed herself in the wrists and the neck, just like She's Betsy. Like, That's the place where you go. That's that worked when I killed Betsy. So long and short, that's the thing think about, about Pam. Pam. <laughs> and okay. this podcast is fantastic. And the storytelling. It's called the thing about Pam, and it's through Dateline NBC, and it's six episodes. Sure, and it's so good. I highly recommend it. There are so many other details and interesting things, especially, too, with how poorly the police handled this entire investigation. Yeah, that's rough. And the district attorney and the prosecutor. Yeah. Which I'm like, I get it, because they're like, it's always the spouse. It's always the spouse. And nine times out of ten, it, it is. is. But in this but point, it wasn't. Ten, it's not. It was not Russ Faria. He did come home. You other leads. Yep. yep. Woof. So. All right. That's the thing about Pam. Okay. I'll take it. Stephanie, what you got? 
Okay. So uh, I, too, pulled a little bit from a podcast this week, but not from a podcast that was entirely about this, like, situation. So um, this was, like, a kind of side story when they were talking about a totally other case. Okay. So I have talked about uh, things before that I have pulled from Wandery podcasts. Wandery is a great – they do a lot of true crime podcasts that are great. They did Dirty John, which, uh, as I mentioned before, was a show. It got made into a show with Connie Brighton and Eric Bana for Lifetime. Christina said it's now on Netflix, so I've got to watch it. And my Tara personal Tara Newell favorite, follows us on Twitter. I know, Twitter. Tara Newell. Oh, my God. I know. She is gold. She's, she's the best, man. She's the best. Um, the real hero of the Dirty John story. Uh, but my personal favorite, of course, was Dr. Death. I haven't heard anything on Wondery that is so quite as shocking good. as Dr. Death. See, so you talked about that, and I, I've i listened to that podcast at least it, three right? times. So, it's so I've good. listened to it a lot of times. I talked to my mom about it. It's like I was like, did you ever go to a doctor named Dr. Dench for your back stuff? <laughs> She's like, no. And I was like, well, because this happened right in our backyard. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, no. So that podcast is really fantastic. So I'm currently listening to another one right now uh, called The Shrink Next Door. But it's not really like violent crime. It's okay. really like it's more like really manipulative, crazy person. But um, so this story I heard about from another Wandery podcast called Over My Dead Body. The first season. I'm, I'm down with the cult so far. Right. So the first season was about the murder of a husband in this like not famous. They weren't a famous couple, but they were both very wealthy People who were both lawyers, they both came from very, like, well-to-do, like, Jewish families. And then the second season was really fascinating. That one was called Joe Exotic, which was about – which Joe Exotic is a guy who um, he (laughs) – he had, like, a big cat zoo, but also would take those cats, like – set up like photo ops where people could come like pet and get their picture taken with like tiger cubs and stuff and they talked a lot about how that's actually like really terrible Mm -hmm. like that kind of business um because you're in the business of like taking young cubs away from their parents and then like putting them in a cage and then pulling them out for people to take pictures with them and it's like fucked up but about him and this woman named carol baskin who the two of them were, like, both trying to, like, put each other out of business, basically. But Carol Baskin runs... Who's um, got the cutest tiger cubs? (laughs) Well, she doesn't do the petting kind of thing. She runs a big cat sanctuary, Mm. and people aren't allowed to, like, interact with the animals because it's all about saving the animals. Oh, okay. So she's, like, the opposite of what he is, basically. Correct. Now, he would say that she does exactly what he does. Um, but that she, she says she started out in that, like that was what first got her started working with big cats, but she came to realize very quickly that that was really cruel yeah. and inhumane. So she now puts her life's work to ending that kind of business. Okay. And he's like, she's a big hypocrite cause she does this too. And she's like, no, like this isn't what I do. Like I have a big cat sanctuary and like I rescue big cats. And yes, a lot of them started as like my cats that I had for this business, but I have since put an end to that business and I'm looking to end it all over the world. But like I have a big cat sanctuary. So going back though. So what I'm talking about today, uh, this fascinated me and they really only kind of mentioned it in passing in the first season of over my dead body. And then they came back and did a two part episode about this guy. Uh, and I was fascinated. All right. So the nickname that they call this guy is, the prod father. Oh, I don't like that. <laughs> I don't. You're you're already like I don't, I don't know like how I feel. That. The prod, prod father, father, like he's prodding you. Not 
Yes. I don't like that. <laughs> Not necessarily like poking, but like prodding, but like prodding. And I'll tell you why, like who okay. he prods. So <laughs> to tell you a little bit about the prod father, who is a rabbi by the name of Mendel Epstein, I first have to explain a little bit to you about uh, Jewish marriage law, like religious law. Okay. Right. So in the United States, anybody can get a divorce, right? Mm -hmm. And it might take years and years and years, but even if the other person doesn't want the divorce, you can get the divorce. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a difficult process, but eventually you're going to get it, right? In Jewish law, uh, in order for a divorce to be recognized, the husband has to give the divorce and they call it a get, okay? Um, and if the husband doesn't agree to the divorce, then the woman uh, becomes what they call an aguna, which is she's just like, um, I'm trying to remember what. Is she the, in like wife purgatory? Basically. She can't get married to anybody else. She what? can't get divorced. Right. Because she has to have a get from her husband. That is bass backwards. So and there are women who will who will never get a get. There are women who wait decades for a get. They get their caught. husband. Right. Their husband will try and wait it out until they're like unmarriable <gasps> before they give them a get so oh that they're not gosh. young and pretty anymore. Right. But OK. So can the husband go and get another woman? And not like, until he's divorced. Like, okay. it's not going to be, they cannot have a, they can't be married. A Jewish recognized marriage, right, um, without the get being given in the first place to the mm. first wife. Okay. Um, and even though legally the woman can get divorced, a lot of them, especially in like uh, Orthodox, um, in the Orthodox Jewish religion, they consider that religious law to be God's law. So, like, mm. sure, I could have a divorce like recognized by the government. But God doesn't recognize that I'm not your wife anymore yeah. because you haven't given me the get. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that uh, so that's really important to this story. Okay, the get is what that's called, and that is when the husband like gives the official divorce, and it can be as simple as like a one line sentence where um, I break with thee, I break with thee, I break with thee. Basically, what it says is that you're <laughs> you're free to all men. <laughs> <laughs> like is, I like that is what it is meaning like you're not recognized as my wife anymore and you're free like to marry another man yeah, and like I don't have the right to you anymore yeah, you because don't. in Jewish law like once a woman is married like her husband has all the the ownership right mm -hmm. so that's a big deal so um <laughs> back to the big cat so back to um Mendel Epstein Rabbi Epstein so he became known as the prod father because he was really good about getting difficult gets. What I mean by that is <laughs> how many times has he been divorced? Or no, no, no he no, would no. get it for other people. He would get it for the women. So um, when women would have nowhere else to turn to and they would have to prove that they had gone to every length that they could to receive the get from their husband, they would go to Mendel Epstein. <laughs> now, he would only take incredibly difficult cases, cases that, like, have they've been waiting for years and years and years and years for the get. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not free. It wasn't free to get the services of Mendel Epstein. But he would argue he wasn't taking the money for himself. It came with, like, the people that he had to work with. He was going to use that money to pay them. And he only maybe did the really difficult, difficult gets maybe once a year, okay? Now, mostly he would go about doing legal means, like borderline harassment, 
<laughs> sure. I just assume like, if he got the nickname the Prod Father. Like, give your wife the get. And let her go, man. Move on. But ultimately, him and his gang uh, became known as the New York (laughs) Divorce Coercion Gang. That's how you would find it if you were looking up the case. Because in some cases, they would go to the lengths of kidnapping and torturing. (laughs) And in some cases, murdering. Stop. Husbands who would not give their wives a get. If the husband dies without giving a get, she's still she's just off a the widow. Hook. Okay, right. She's just a widow <laughs> at that point. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. Okay. And a lot of the the tough guys that he hired were his sons or like other people like that were related to them, and they specialized in like trying to do methods of torture that didn't leave marks because they didn't want them to be able to go to the police sure beat him with like a bar of soap and a pillowcase or because this is a double meaning a cattle prod (gasps) no yes oh i hate the nickname even more (laughs) um but they would use a cattle prod in sensitive areas to try and like torture the husband into giving a get. And when <laughs> I just clenched. I know. Everything. So the get, <laughs> by the way, has to be has to be signed by two rabbis. Okay. And Mendel Epstein was very rarely one of the rabbis actually on the get. So they would use so the money that people were paying, which was upwards of like fifty thousand, a hundred thousand dollars for the get. Or for the for the work of of Mendel Epstein, oh my God! But he would again insist that the money really wasn't for it him. It was to pay the workers. It was to pay the people working for him, and they had to pay the other rabbis because those rabbis would know that the get was being given under duress. Yeah. So they had to like sign pay like extra. yeah no they totally got this legit this is fine he wanted to do this he wanted Prod to get divorced again. <laughs> correct. So that's kind of the general like starting point, right? So ultimately, uh, and if you listen to these two episodes of Over My Dead Body, you can hear some of the phone calls (gasps) because there was a sting operation. (gasps) So there was a woman who was posing as an Aguna named Rachel, and she talked to him on the phone about how she had tried, and she really did. I mean, she was not really an Aguna, but she really did talk to other like lawyers and stuff to set up a paper trail to show that like she didn't go straight to Mendel Epstein, but that she had spoken with these other like lawyers and other people who specialized in in receiving a get. Correct. So to get to get got to get got. (laughs) So she had set up this paper trail that she had tried for years and years and years and her story. And I mean. If if she was it, it was very compelling, even though I know that she was actually an FBI agent. Yeah. Like, like she was crying and talking about how, like for years, she had been trying to divorce her husband, and that he kept taking money from her family <gasps> under the guise of like, well, if you just help me out this one more time, I'll give you the get. Yeah. And that her brother had given him like, you know, over a hundred thousand dollars at this point. And she didn't know where else to turn, right? And she's, like, crying. And he's like, okay, well, we're going to get together and we're going to talk about some options. And, (laughs) you know, if it comes down to it, like, we're, you know, we'll do everything that we can. But I don't know if you know this, but my nickname is The The Prod Prod Father. Father. (laughs) 
So ultimately, she met with him and they made arrangements for her husband, who wasn't real, um, for her husband to like go check out an office space. And at this office space, his men would be waiting to take her husband and do whatever they had to do to get the get. (laughs) So the appointment was made. And while there's a recording of the guys in the room waiting for him to come in and kind of like making jokes about what they're going to do to him. (gasps) Oh, yeah. And how like if he starts to have like if he starts to like have a heart attack while they're torturing him, then what they're going to do is they're going to say that they were just showing him the office space and that he had a heart problems because he ate too much red meat. And like they don't know what happened, but now he's having a heart attack. I don't know what happened. Correct. So when the door opened... It wasn't her husband. It was Sting. It was a bust. <laughs> sting. <laughs> it was a Sting. <laughs> Every time, when I was younger and people would say Sting, I I always thought they meant the wrestler because there's a wrestler named Sting. <laughs> and then as I got older, I was like, are they talking oh, no, about the, the wrestler or the musician? And then as I got to be an adult, I was like, no one is talking about it's the wrestler. Always they the always musician. mean the musician. Um, so you hear the bust happen. And while that was going on, Rachel, I'm using quote fingers because that's the the agent. The fake name. Right. Yeah. Uh, went to go arrest Mendel Epstein. He was working from the mid 80s up to 2013. He was doing his work. He was getting guts. And it was an FBI um, raid because it involved money. Um, a lot of things happening over state lines. As well as like not just the torture, right? Because that could just be tried by anybody. But because of all of the things that were involved. Um, and they said that there was extortion as well because he was extorting these women for what he was doing. And Mendel Epstein insists it was never about the money. It was about helping these women who yeah. had nowhere else to go. I'm down with the cult in that aspect. Right? I I have such mixed feelings about this case because I think it's really fascinating. And I'm like... That's terrible. And also for the husband, <laughs> like, he had it coming. Right? Like, just let the well, woman go. And the go. thing is, there are some men who were, you know, victims to Mendel Epstein that were like, that never had to happen. Like, I I would have given the get. Like, Then why didn't he do it before? I don't know. Right? I'm like, then why I'm didn't like, you? I'm like, sure, they're always going to say that bullshit. But there was one guy who they tortured him for like seven hours and even when they started, he was like, is this about my divorce? Because I'll give the get. Like, you don't have to do this. You don't have to do this. Oh. And they did it anyway. They were right. like, we're here. Right. <laughs> They're like, we, are, we drove we all, came this, all way. this way. <laughs> Ultimately, Mendel Epstein uh, was sentenced to 10 years in prison. That's oh, not that bad. Epstein and uh, Stimler, who was another guy who was running it. But Mendel Epstein is the one that people like really know about because he's the one that dealt with all Mm -hmm. the women and was like we're gonna take care of you like we've got this like i've got my guys on it (laughs) so um they were found guilty of june uh, in june uh to traveling in interstate to commence uh, uh excuse me interstate commerce to commit violence he was sentenced on november 19th to time and two years served of supervised release with the first six months being house arrest Walmart, who had pleaded guilty to conspiracy to travel in interstate commerce to, to commit extortion, was sentenced to more than three years in prison, two years, and supervised release 50000 Epstein and Stimler, who were the two people who were, like, 
the ones in charge, Mm -hmm. were sentenced to 10 years and three years, respectively. Wilson said during the proceeding that no one is permitted to commit acts of violence against another and that the sentence was necessary to deter others in the Orthodox Jewish community from engaging in similar paid vigilantism. One day later, Goldstein was sentenced to eight years imprisonment. Six other co-defendants also pleaded guilty before trial and were sentenced to up to four years. On January 12th, 2016, David Wax was sentenced uh, by Wolfson to seven years imprisonment. Epstein launched a number of defense arguments to court, uh, ranging from warrant issues to jury questions, but the heart of the appeal focused on the propriety of their actions under the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. So he tried to argue (laughs) that, like, they were just exercising their religious freedom Mm -hmm. by trying to get the get. Yeah. Saying that the FBI sting interfered with their practice of religion. He also argued that the victims, by entering into an Orthodox Jewish marriage, were essentially agreeing to the use of force outlined in Jewish law. <laughs> the higher court did not accept these arguments. Again, he had it coming. <laughs> Your honor, he had it coming. So, I mean, but 10 years at the max, that's what, that was the most that any of them got? That's yes, not that but bad. he was 70 years old. Oh. Um, and <laughs> this was, I want to say he's four years into his... 10-year sentence. So he has six years left. Does he have... But he'll be 80 if and when he gets out. Does he have a chance to appeal at a certain... You know, he's got 10 years, but he has the chance to... I feel like he... Parole. I don't think he's exhausted the appeal process, but I'm pretty sure, like, he's still attempting appeals at this point in time. But uh, he's... He hasn't received any. Like, he hasn't gotten an appeal. He hasn't had a chance to, like, re-argue his case, and he's, at this point, still in prison. Yeah, I'm on the fence. Right? So I'm am on I. the fence. I'm like, I'm kind of down with the cult. I'm kind of down with the cult, too. I'm, yeah, I'm kind of down with it. There was also an article about it in GQ in 2014. It's just called The Orthodox Hit Squad. Mm-hmm. But it's about the same case and the the people that worked for him. But basically, the tabloids came up with the nickname The Prod Father. And my favorite. Is I don't like that. I still don't. Like <laughs> I that. love it. <sighs> um, but there is a really great like cover of the Daily News with uh, that that says the Proud Father with like a picture of him on it. Oh, I want to see. I know, and that's what I'm trying to open up for you right now. Oh my god! So it's basically Stop. it's a picture of him on the cover of the Daily News. And it's like the logo for the Godfather, the Godfather and it still it's has a- the strings attached to the hand, but it's also the hand is holding a cattle prod. And he's like in mid sentence, like he's saying something. He's like forming a word. It's not a flattering picture, but yeah, the graphic is. Un- we'll post it. Unhappy Jewish women paid Brooklyn Rabbi Mendel Epstein upwards of $100,000 to coerce their unwilling husbands into giving them a religious divorce, feds say. Rabbi used cattle zapper on hubbies till they granted divorces, feds. <laughs> yeah, you know, down with the cult. So that is the prod father. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> I love the name. I think it's funny that you hate it. I love the name. I think the name is hysterical. Um, like but it. if you want to hear a little more about it, there are two episodes in season one of Over My Dead Body that are just, they're called The Proud Father Part 1 and Part 2. But the rest of the season is not about him at all. Mm-hmm. It's about um, this couple that had like a big, like a, they were a big, like like I said, well-to-do like Jewish couple and their divorce went 
awry and then the husband was murdered and it's a whole thing. And he was murdered by the prod father? No, he was oh. not murdered by the prod father, but he was an attorney who not um because the guy who was like talking about it said that he first heard about this guy because this guy I believe was against the prod father, but he was a big lawyer who spoke out against Mm. The Proudfather. But mm-hmm. his murder, he was murdered. His murder had nothing to do with the Proudfather. People oh, okay. were just like, who's that guy? I want to hear more about that guy. And he's like, okay, well, now that we've wrapped the season and we, because with Wondery Podcasts, as mm-hmm. you might have noticed, yeah. like they'll wrap a season, but every now and then if they have more news about the case, they'll like update. they'll give you a little update. And this was like that, like after the season was over, people were like, we want to hear more about the Proudfather. And they're like, okay, well, here's a two special, a special like two part episode about oh, the proud father cool. and you can hear the phone calls <gasps> and which is really fascinating with like Rachel who was the FBI agent mm-hmm. as well as a little bit of the footage of the guys who are waiting in the room before the sting oh my operation gosh. happened so <laughs> really interesting I thought it was really cool um, but I heard about it and I was like I'm fascinated like I, I have such mixed feelings I want to be one of those people it's like what he did was wrong but I'm like, this is kind of kind I of awesome. Think, yeah, I was like, I I think I'm on the other side where I'm like, you're down with the cult. I'm down with the cult. But I am down with the cult. You'll also like, you'll hear from some men who say that they were victims who like that never needed to happen. I would have given the get. But I'm like, well, then why? If didn't you, you were, why then didn't why you? didn't you? Why did it get to this point? Like, there's a guy who got shot, and it was like a they like but he it was like a drive by, right? And they shot him like in the back of the leg. <laughs> just fucking divorce your wife man let her go give her the get get her god while the get is good and she can still marry another man and you can walk because you're not shot in the leg <laughs> dumb dumb these men well that was our episode that's my dad <laughs> that's my dad um if you want to support the show of course the best way that you can do that is by subscribing to our patreon we have one dollar five dollar and fifteen dollar tiers and there are rewards at every tier we are on there as Dead Time Stories with a Z. That's how we are everywhere. Sarah is like covering her face and shaking I with can't. laughter right now. Um, but of course, the way you can support us without giving us money is by writing us a five star review on iTunes, on Spotify, SoundCloud, anywhere where you listen to podcasts. Of course, you can review us on Facebook as well. We are on Instagram as Dead Time Stories, all one word with a Z. Our email address is deadtimestories at gmail.com. I was laughing at first at just thinking about that joke again. And then as you started talking about Patreon, just our sagas in Patreon lately. I was just, (laughs) I will say I have to, what is it? Redact our further beat down talking shit about the person who left us a three-star review one of the people one of them the other <laughs> one is still there and they can f- go fuck off somebody changed their five-star review changed their, their three-star review, three-star review to, to a five-star five review and i noticed thank you thank you thank you appreciate we you appreciate it now go donate to our patreon <laughs> I'm just kidding. We're baby steps, baby steps here. And come see me next week. Please, please, please at Songbird at Latage. It's 8 p.m. on Wednesday. Latage is on the corner of 6th and Bainbridge here in Philadelphia. And give my name at the door. That's a big deal. That's, That's important. It helps me. But come see me and help me win. Yay. Bum, 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 bum. And it's not just like I win. I get money, you guys. It's like two grand. The winner gets two grand. Like, please help me win money. Are you if you share can't it with give us? me your money, then 
come and buy money. a ticket and help That's me fair. win money. Okay. Right. I, I, yeah. All right. Down with the cult. Right. Down with the cult. Down with the cult. There we go. <laughs> and that's our show. I'm Stephanie. <laughs> I'm Sarah. And this, and this has been Dead Time Stories. Thanks for listening. Dead Time Stories is hosted by Sarah Heddens and Stephanie C. Curtison. Music and editing by Eric Gershnow. Artwork by Rennie Slackman. Okay, hold on. Let's see. Hello, hello, hello. This is Sarah. Are we recording? Yes. Yes? Hello? Yes. Nanny's titty bops. Nanny's titty bops. Titty bop, Nanny's bop, bops. titty bops. Titty Nanny, bop, bop, nanny, titty bops. Titty bop, bop, Check one, two titty bops. Check one titty bops. Check one, two titty bops. I think we're good. <laughs>